Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is get out of your head and just send the text. Let's do this. Friends, I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kind of Dating. I'm here with Aisha. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? How's, how's your weekend going? Oh, it's just fabulous. Got lots of sleep this weekend. So Ooh, great. Love hearing that. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we're always happy to have you here with us. Um, and you guys who are listening, thank yeah. you for joining us. Uh, please remember. That if you like this podcast, if we have helped you, if we've made you laugh, if we made you think, uh, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Tell your friends and leave us a five-star rating and or review. We are also on social media, so please follow us there. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. Aisha, where are you at? I am at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter because I'm complicated. So you have it there. But you know who is not complicated? Our next guest, who is fucking amazing. Um, She is a senior sex and dating writer at the publication Every Human on Earth has read, um, Elite Daily. She's written for Cosmo, Time, The Cut, and so many more. She's the author of a new book coming out, Just Send the Text, an Expert's Guide to Letting Go of Stress and Anxiety of Modern Dating. It's coming out February 2nd, 2021 at a bookstore near you. So please welcome Candice Jalili. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. I feel like um, every millennial on earth has read something you've written um, and or Elite Daily. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I write things thinking no one will see them, which I think is the best way to write it. But then I'll like see people and they'll be like, oh, yeah, like in 2016 when you were dating that one guy. I'm like, oh, no, I forgot. Ah, ah they all know. <laughs> Love it. It's true. It's true. But that's great. That's so awesome. Well, you know, we start every podcast with asking everybody the same question. Aisha. Candace, are you single? Or in a relationship? I'm in a relationship. Ooh. <laughs> How long? I've actually been in a really, it's also my first official relationship and now likely my last because we just got engaged, but hey. we've been together like four and a half years. Amazing. Wow, girl, the first and last. Hit it first and quit and it. Get it. <laughs> I love that. But I mean, you dated before. Yeah, obviously. no, I dated a ton, right. but like my first, serious relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I mean, Jesus, five years. Yeah. Well, five years in July. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? We met at a bar. So romantic. Oh, <laughs> love it. IRL. IRL. <laughs> so you, you, you skipped. People can't meet IRL right now. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Did you ever do the app thing before? Yes. Okay. I was on the apps. Yeah. Um, I'm a big proponent of the apps. I like them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now that they like can be stressful, but great way to meet people. Of course. Yeah. And so many more opportunities, right? Like I met my boyfriend now on an app and I, I'm not, I'm personally not that great on apps, but, um, but this time I was, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and then, but he's from Spain and like, oh, wow. he and I don't go to the same place. I'm like, I mean, no, not like he's in Spain. Like he oh, lives right, here yeah, from like, Spain. How did he come up on your radio? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just put my search. Whole world. Like the whole world option. Um, no, he, but he lives here and like, I don't think I would have met him in real life. Like he fucking lives in Marina Del Rey and I'm in Studio City, which is like the other end of the earth, you know, for New Yorker, it's like. You know, I don't know, fucking Westchester to Brooklyn. That's a lot. You wouldn't meet. <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. It's like Bronx like, to what? Brooklyn. Like, let's say that Bronx to Brooklyn. <laughs> so you wouldn't, you wouldn't even attempt it. You're like, no. fuck it. So yeah, dating apps work. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have this awesome book uh, called "Just Send the Text." 
I mean, what made you write it and what was sort of the, what's the premise? Okay. So the premise is it's not your typical dating book. It's more about getting out of your head, like you said earlier, and getting over your dating anxiety by just kind of accepting this central principle that for the right person, just being yourself is enough. You don't need to play games. You don't need to trick anyone into liking you. You don't need to bend over backward to do anything. Stop stressing yourself out. Love that. And you have all these fun like questionnaires in there and lots of case studies and fucking data points. Yeah. I like proof. (laughs) I hate like the feeling of like being like, oh, like I can't trust her. Like, oh, she's just bullshitting. So I was like, how do I make people like actually believe what I'm saying? So I tried my best. If I got like stats, we talked to lots of different people, got fun stories from people. And then also like talk to researchers who have been studying, like being authentic works better, like scientifically, um, than playing games and things like that. So I tried to have like every point of reference other than just me telling you, this is my point of view. <laughs> Which is smart. Cause like, even with our podcast, uh, right. Aish, like we always notice that people love the science episodes. Love stats. Yeah. I think it's like, because like, oh, sorry, I'll let you go. No, no, please. It's you. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think like for me personally, and something I've noticed in my readers is the big reason why people are listening to like podcasts and reading dating articles and reading books and stuff is you don't want to feel like you're the only person with this problem, right? So like once you've got numbers behind it, this many people feel this way too. That feels so good and feels so validating. So I don't know, like I used to do, um, a column called Boom Ghosted for Elite Daily where people would send in their <laughs> ghosting stories. And it like really took off. Like so many people would submit their stories every week and I'd publish them. And the biggest feedback I'd get from people would be like, oh my God, like I thought I was the only person who had an experience like this and your column makes me feel so much better. And I think the numbers just speak to that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a human thing. It's so true. I, our minds always make us feel like we're alone because yeah. all you see is yourself. But mm-hmm. it's really, I mean, dating is one of those experiences that's so universal all right. over the world. And when you just break it down, everybody's sort of going through the same shit. 100%. I'm like, so you, such a, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting. Like, no. Such a big believer in everyone has different versions of the same problem. Right. Yeah. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you dedicated the book to somebody. Who is this dedicated oh, yeah. to? And who the fuck are they? What are we talking about? You talk about them all oh, the time through the book. <laughs> yeah. So I dedicate the book to all my fellow Eunices. And Eunice <laughs> is sort of like a character I created. I'll preface this by saying no offense to anyone whose name is Eunice in real life. Um, I have this fear that I'm going to get like canceled by the Eunices. By the Eunices? <laughs> Listen, if the Karens didn't get us, I think we're fine. The yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought of it based on like the movie She's the Man. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Amanda Bynes is when she's the boy character, there was like a like this character named Eunice who was like so in love with him and would just like watch him sleep and like leave things like that. And I wanted to just do like kind of like a playful like when you really like someone and you get this place in your head that the book is kind of about where you really are doing everything, jumping through hoops to make them like you. And like you get, you just become weird, you know, (laughs) there's no better way to say it. And at first I had it like, oh, when you get crazy, because I feel like lots of times when girls get that way, they'll be like, me and my friends will be like, oh, I was so crazy. I like did the craziest thing last night. And I hate that because I'm like, that's because some guy called you crazy and dubbed this behavior crazy at one point. And I really didn't want to use that terminology in the book. So I came up with Eunice and it was like, every once in a while, we all have this kind of like alter ego Eunice (laughs) who can come out when you just really like someone. And like, it doesn't matter how confident or well-adjusted you are. It's natural to really want to make the person you like, like you back. And 
unfortunately, the behaviors we do when we're trying to get someone to like you back are like a little weird. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We have all been unices. I mean, have you? I have totally 100% been. All of a sudden, I become like the clumsiest person on earth. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Like, why am I dropping things? I don't understand. I have this like vivid memory. It's so painful. In high school, my high school crush got my car once. I don't know why he like I was I was in the we were not like dating but I was in the driver's seat I'm in (laughs) love with him he gets in the passenger seat and I just remember feeling like such a Eunice in the moment and being like oh my god he's in my car what do I do like how do I be cool right now and he like said something about my music and I was like oh oh you should see these CDs we had CDs Uh-huh. Um, you should see these CDs and I go to open the like dashboard thing and the CDs just fall everywhere his glasses covered his CDs and I was like oh I'm so sorry and I'm like trying to wipe these CDs off of him and off of the floor but then my mouth's kind of close to his crotch and I'm like ah I'm trying to and yeah so this being a Eunice <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's such an honest story. Uh, I feel like my my unices are are way worse, guys. Like, I feel like I used to be the one that was like, whenever you want to meet, yeah, I'm I'm available. Like, I'm in the middle of like fucking piles of work, and they're they text and they're like, we should grab a drink tonight. Yeah, yeah, we totally should. I don't 100%. fucking need to do anything else. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, the opposite way of being too much like. I'd be sitting home, like just praying for them to text me and they'd text me being like, Hey, what's up? What are you doing? Want to come over? I'd be like, Oh, sorry. Busy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I'd be like, yes. I'm going to sit here. And, uh, right. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> did the like three hour wait game before oh, texting back. I never did that shit. <laughs> really? You never did? <laughs> no, I'm always like right away. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> like Oh, no. <laughs> old me, old me, New York me. I used to, I used to play all the games. Yeah. All of them. Every single one. Yeah. I would do the, um, well, it took him half an hour, so I have to wait an hour. Right. Yes. On the text by like eight different people to make sure that. Yeah. I mean, thank God in some ways for growing up because there just hits you. I don't know. You just hit a point where you're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to yeah. talk to you because I don't have time. I'm, I'll probably forget later. A hundred percent. I, one of the like, so we, for the book, we did this other study that was with YouGov where we panned like 250 single women. And they all, it was interesting, like they had their age brackets, right? And for mm. all of the things, like all the game playing questions, like, do you play this game? Do you wait to text them back? Do you pretend to like what they like? Do you, by every like decade, it would go down to the point where it would look like 40 and up. It was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just straight. just straight. You know what I love about, you know, in the book, right off the top, you dedicate the book to Eunice's, but then you say, you basically stress the importance of personal accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's something I remember you said was like the idea of like no one or no thing is making you this way, mm-hmm. making you act out this way or be irrational or have these negative thoughts or whatever. You're choosing to be this way, mm-hmm. which I think is a is a, a defining lesson that all of us need to learn that even though you might be dating the fuck boy or fucking the fuck boy, mm-hmm. your reaction to that person is the thing you control. Yes. A hundred percent. Like I really strongly believe that. And like, listen, you could be right. Like, like you said, like you could be fucking a fuck boy and like that does suck. You could be really stressed out by the hookup culture and like you've been rejected by like the past five guys you've been hooking up with. They don't want anything serious or like you're not having any luck on that. whatever. Those things could be real, but the way you react to them, that's the only part of the equation that you have any control over. Like at the end of the day, you can sit there and complain about it and be butt hurt and like just put out all this negative energy out. Or you could just be like, oh, like this sucks, but I'm going to try to find the bright side and I'm, it's going to be okay because I can change my mindset. Yeah. And and that's like the, that's the hard part. And I don't know, because you said you used to date before you met your now fiance, correct? Yeah. You said fiance? Right. Okay. Um, And 
Did that change? Do you think, because like my dating life changed when I started taking accountability and responsibility for my reaction to everything. Yes. I think that was a really big shift for me. Instead of just being like, oh, because I mean, as I said, this was my first official relationship and I had dated a lot. Like, so I had had plenty of experiences where I was just like really liked someone and then it didn't work out or whatever. And I could just sit there and be like, oh, it's the hookup culture. It's blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, well, what am I doing to perpetuate that? Like, I'm the one sitting there being like, oh, I'm busy. Like, I can't hang out. I'm the one who's purposely dating more than one person because I don't want to like look like the stupid one who wasn't, you know, like I'm doing all these things too. I'm playing this game. I'm like, you can choose to opt out. You can choose to be more vulnerable. It's scarier. It's a lot scarier, but that's what you want you have the power to do that. 100%. Uh, you know, one of the things like we call this podcast kind of dating because we say nobody says they're in a relationship yeah. anymore. And that idea of like, I used to be a commitment phobe. Um, and I now call myself a, re- a reformed commitment phobe because I did that work in between. But I realized like my commitment phobia wasn't that I couldn't be in a relationship. I had been in long relationships, mm-hmm. but I would purposely choose people that mm-hmm. I knew couldn't commit. Mm-hmm. So it was, and that was my commitment phobia. Like I used to date guys from all different cities. So like my friends didn't even know people's names. They would be like, oh, who is it? Philly? Is it London? Is it Vancouver? Like who's texting you right now? Or who are you in a relationship with? And that was when I started looking at it and going, well, it's not all these people's problem. They're not just the commitment phobe. I'm also the commitment phobe for constantly choosing these people who I know are unavailable so that I could be free. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, the next chapter in the book after the accountability chapter talks about that. Like the people we choose to spend our time with who are just wasting your time, you know? And like, I have so many women, I'm sure you guys do too, but the podcast reach out to me being like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I can't get a guy to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's not, you like it's not something that's wrong with you it's the what's wrong with you is your taste like you're choosing the apple <laughs> yeah or your choice yeah just simply the choices mm-hmm. we're making right like if we're gonna keep going for the same person then it's not gonna it's just not nothing's gonna change it's like that the definition of insanity is making doing the same thing expecting a different result very, very true. And that's where, so you, you also talk about, you know, um, rewriting the happily ever after. And like that idea, I think it does have to start with the role society and rom-coms and all these things have played in our brain. Um, I mean, why is it so hard for us to rewire it? Yeah. That was a really important chapter for me because I just felt like I can't write this book. I cannot convince people to just be their most authentic selves and put themselves out there and like, don't care if you get rejected, if you're not comfortable with the idea of being alone. And like, mm-hmm. I, you have to think of like, every time your friend's like, oh, I'm going to be single. Like, oh, nobody likes me. And what's the first thing everybody says is you'll find someone. There's someone out there. Right. Too. Like it is so ingrained in us that happily ever after has to be, especially for women with a guy like mm-hmm. every rom-com, every fairy tale. While like boys were watching superhero movies, girls were watching princess movies where they get saved by their Prince Charming. And then we get a little older and we get to watch rom-coms while they watch like fun buddy movies and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's like this narrative is just so in our minds. Like there's no way my chapter is going to be able to undo that. Um, but I do think it's just worth reminding yourself that like you, it's something you just actively have to keep reminding yourself that you are fine on your own. And if you're not fine on your own, that's something you need to work on before you even think about being in a relationship, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, so for that chapter, I had so much fun because I was like, I'm in a relationship. Nobody wants to listen to me sit there and be like, no, you're fine on your own. <laughs> um, so, I you, I, you probably got yourself to that point by being aware of some of these things that were going on in your brain. So much. Like I had to really focus on that. And I say this in the book, but my, I come from divorce parents. There's my dad right there behind me. And my, so I, they got divorced when I was two 
And they both were really happily single. And I think I had that as an advantage growing up. And I feature my mom in the book actually about how to just be like a happy single person and um, just kind of like a different outlook on what your happily ever after could be. Um, Because I think it's like for women, especially when you're like, oh, she's going to be alone forever. You think like a lonely, like weird cat lady or something, as opposed to like, it could be really cool and glamorous and awesome and like fulfilling. Um, And so I think I had that advantage where I wasn't necessarily ever afraid of being single. And it didn't really, I didn't get it. Like when my friends would be like, oh, I'm turning whatever age and I'm even now, like, and I'm still single and I. That's never really been a fear of mine. And that was something that I wanted to share with everyone, <laughs> like this outlook that I was lucky enough to have. Because, you know, like companionship is something that's natural. Everybody's going to want that. But I think if you look at it more, it's like mm-hmm. a desire, like something that would be nice to have, like something that could complement your life as opposed to a need you're not going to be complete. You're not going to be happy without it. That can be such a, just that switch can be really like revolutionary and nice. And it's very important, especially for, um, you know, someone like you with a platform and people are listening because one thing that really annoys me and, and, you know, something we're very committed to on this show, um, as a podcast about commitment issues, uh, (laughs) is that, um, we're, we never tell people like, oh, listening to this podcast will get you the person you love or, um, hey, here's the formula. Here's the how to strategy, which I think a lot of people in our, our mm-hmm. space kind of do because like our thing is we don't fucking control fate. I, I mean, we're not God, you know, if that's what you believe in or universe or whatever. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen to you. It's going to be based on your choices and or your fucking luck. I don't know. But the idea right. is you should be okay and great with somebody and you should be great and okay without somebody. And all we try to do is make you think about things so that in those moments that you're feeling like shit, you can come out of it a little quicker and know that it's okay to also just be fucking single. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that so much. And like, I really tried to do something similar with the book where I just think there's such this like weird stigma around being single. That's like, why like even just the term mm-hmm. single makes you think of like a lonely like one unit person and it's like yep. you're not alone like you've got friends you've got family you can oh my god so many unity like like being single and alone are not the same thing like there's just so many options and like in the book I talked to a woman who like really didn't want to have a partner but wanted knew she wanted to have children so like she had a child on her own and is so happy and like you can do all of these things and have such a fulfilling, awesome life, whatever it is you want to do single. And I just really am committed to like not having this, like get the guy formula because that should just not be the goal. I don't want that to be the goal anymore for people. Yeah. Love Um, that. We love mm -hmm. that. Um, So you also, you know, something you mentioned a little earlier about the idea of, okay, so what I love is that the book is like kind of a, a, a step-by-step yeah. guide of going through the process that your brain goes through to finally get mm-hmm. to that good spot, you know? And so one is like rewiring a lot of this old, the, the messages you've heard. Yeah. And then I like that it's like actionable. Here's an action step. Stop wasting your fucking time. Mm-hmm. And that was something my best friend told me as like my mistake where she was like, she got married and when she, but she, when she wanted to, like, that was her thing. And there was a point that she was like dating people and she would just drop it right away. If like one thing happened that she was like, nope, I'm, I'm actually like, this is not a right fit. She wouldn't try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're always trying to fix it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a queen. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge thing. And so common, like so many people want to fix. I mean, I myself have also stuck around with guys who I was like, well, he says he doesn't want a relationship and he says he doesn't like me that much, but like, he just doesn't know me well enough yet. Like <laughs> if I just stick around for like two to three more years, like it'll right. happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Cause in that, the YouGov survey that we did for the book, um, it was like something like 40% of women, they're 
biggest like fear in dating is wasting time. And yet yeah. I get so many messages from women who are wasting their time. Like they, so funny. they do. And it, I mean, of course, when feelings are involved, all of these things are so much easier said than done. Um, but it is like there, there are certain people that you just like the player or like the guy who's telling you, he blatantly telling you, you can't be in a relationship or like the people who don't live near you where it's not, or neither of you have a plan of like moving toward each other. It's just not going to happen. And like, you just kind of have to accept that those things need to end. And, and especially when like, I think you sort of were hinting at it that sometimes they, they try to make you think it's going to end, but it's not going to end. And you have to like use your own judgment to be like, am I being strung along? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I call that in the book, the, the fisher. So I always like, to uh, I love no. it. yes. Like there is that guy who like, won't get there with you, but will still like, keep you around. Keep you around. <laughs> like every time you're about to move on, pop back in. And mm-hmm. I think like everybody has some variation of that person, but um, those people, you just, you got to cut them out. And I think part of that is like, I mean, your podcast is it like kind of dating. Like so many of us are in these like kind of dating, like situationshipy relationships where it almost feels weird to end yeah. it, like really end it. Um, it feels like you don't, again, like you get in the unicy part of your head and you're like, oh, I don't want to be dramatic. I don't want to be weird about it. But end it, break up with them, have a breakup, whatever. And then treat it like a breakup. If you're sad about it, mourn the loss. I think that's another hard part of it is like, then you mm-hmm. can't really mourn it because it wasn't really a relationship and you feel right. like, I, I shouldn't be sad about this, but in not letting yourself be sad about it, you're not letting yourself move on from it either. Mm-hmm. No, Sorry. it's it's so important to, to do the grieving. Do you find also that you, cause you get a lot of messages and, and this one specific thing of wasting time about closure. Like, do you think people are obsessed with closure? (laughs) Do we need closure? So obsessed with closure. I've done like multiple articles on closure. Um, I think, yes, like closure is something that you need, but I don't think you have to get it from the other person. I think the idea that you have to badger someone else for closure, it's just not going to happen. The amount of people I've heard who are like, well, then I had him have a talk about this. And then we met up and had like a follow-up talk. And it's like, that's not closure. That's you not being over it and trying to keep them around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Closure comes from you. Like you've got to do the work. You've got to put that to rest in your own head. It goes back to the grieving thing. Like you've got to grieve it, do what you have to do. Bring them up too many times to your best friend. Like do whatever it is that your process requires. Go to therapy. I love therapy. <laughs> therapy. Love it. Um, yeah, just do what you need to do to move on from it. But if you're looking to the other person to give you that sense of peace, it's just not right. Happen. It's like you can't. You can't. I mean, you're lucky. Maybe it will happen. But nine times out of ten, it's not. Mm-mm. And even when you hear the response, right, from somebody, like maybe you did get whatever. Yeah. They told you the reason. You still have a hard time accepting mm-hmm. it. Like, exactly. So it is what you said. The key is the closure is with you. Yes. Yeah, I really um, that. Yeah, I have a friend right now who, like I, I mentioned it in another podcast too, that um, he got cheated on and uh, found out, you know, she cheated with like five dudes, I think, Ah. and kind of had this like other life. And now he's very confused and he's finding out conflicting information. But at the core, I just said like, okay, I don't think you're ever really going to know the exact truth, but do you trust her? And he was like, no. And then like, I kind of think that's it. Like, that's (laughs) that's it. But then he's obsessed with getting her to say why she did it. Yeah. It's like, you want this in your head, right? You want this answer yeah. when it's just like the bottom line sometimes is the answer. Like I talk about in the intro of the book, I, I was ghosted by a guy in college and I like, wait, I at first was so upset. Like, I want to know why, like why, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, he, I wasted so much time, like doing everything in my power to make someone who didn't even have the energy to draft a reply to my text like me. Like, that's it. 
that tells me anything I need to know. I don't need more information outside of that. Like the lack of respect, she cheated on him with five different guys, at least that's enough. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. after that, you just take that and you deal with that on your own. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Aish, do you ever feel like you've, you get, is this part hard to stop wasting time? Like being like moving on or are you good about moving on? I think, um, at first it is difficult, but in my experiences, there's usually been something that's been pretty drastic that's happened. That's just made it easy for me to be like, all right, like no more of this. We're done. Like, um, I also had this guy in college who just was like, so blatantly, it was a situation ship. So in my head, I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like we're not together, but like, he would like make out with other girls in front of me and like all this shit. And then eventually I was like, all right, I was going to draft the whole text, like in your introduction, how you like sent the text. I drafted it, but I ended up just not even sending it. I just walked away from that shit because like the way I felt was just like so low and depleted and gross. I was like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Well, that's just sending a text. That is like really like respecting yourself and like just doing what feels true to you, you know, it's really all about. I love that. Yeah. And and that's a perfect segue, Aish, because, uh, <laughs> you know, the next chapter is on reframing rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, you talk about, Candice, like there's a downward spiral and an upward spiral. Mm-hmm. Can you sort of explain yeah. what you so mean by that? I think like we're all very familiar with a downward spiral, I would guess. Um, that's just like the tried and true. Someone rejects you. Let's say like you had a one night stand, you don't hear from them afterward, and you start thinking like it's because I'm fat. It's because like he hates me. Nobody wants to date me. Like I only attract gross guys. Like I'm. This is never gonna go anywhere. Blah 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 blah. Like I'm never gonna find love. You go down this like horrible like self deprecating spiral. The upward spiral is kind of like a rebrand of the downward spiral is how I like to think of it. Like, yes, you're still going to be upset. You're still going to spiral a little bit. You're a human and you got rejected and that just kind of stings. Like, that's fine. And I mean, more than stings, depending on who rejected you or the severity of it. But um, rather than going to that negative, like down place, you can let yourself, like let those thoughts float through the like bad ones, but then try to counteract them and kind of lift the spiral up a little by reminding yourself, this was just one guy. He doesn't define me. I'm still awesome. Like I still think I'm cool. I'll be fine on my own. I don't need a guy to complete me. His, um, whether or not he texts me, like I still have amazing friends. I still have a great friend group. I still have a great family. Like I'm good at work, whatever it is that like gives you self-worth out of outside of your romantic life, remind yourself of those things. And my favorite thing to remind yourself of is it's weeding people out. Like, you know, like you're, you're saving time. (laughs) Like a rejection is like, all right, I don't have to deal with you anymore. On to the next. Like I like you, thank you for rejecting me. So I don't have to waste six to 10 months of my life, like trying to make you like me only to find that you were going to do this to me. 100%. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to add is just like, yeah, the perspective that the truth is a gift, like you found out about somebody and that's what you need. That's the whole point of dating, right? Like all of it is really us just trying to learn about each other and what's a fit and what's not. And if somebody's going to be a a dick to you on after date one, then fuck them. Like cut your losses. Uh (laughs) exactly it's like one step closer to finding someone who's not gonna do that exactly and I mean do you find in your experience of hearing people's stories and meeting and studying all of this that it's usually the other person it's not the person who's like for example the person who got ghosted it's Mm -hmm. usually the person who's doing the ghost it is yeah so not often you (laughs) like it really Right. We love to live in this world where like we're the star of our own movie. (laughs) Everybody's thinking about you all the time. (laughs) Like that's just not the case. Like I, I use the example in the book of like, think about like 
people that you like swiped left on an app or like someone that like you went on a date with and they're fine, but it just didn't click because you were so into someone else, like an ex at the moment or whatever. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's just you. Like you're just in like, it's what, where you're at at that point. And I think so many times we take it so deeply personally when we get rejected, mm-hmm. like there is something wrong with me where it's like, so this one person wasn't like you weren't their type or they were busy. Like you don't, <laughs> right. Their mom died. You have no idea. Like, something yeah. could have happened. and it's just, it's not as about you as you'd like to believe it is. Yep. Yeah. And and kind of what you said that it at the end of the day it's it's a weeding down process mm-hmm. like you're you're trying you know again unless you're in a poly relationship yeah. you're ID, you're most likely looking for one solid person mm-hmm. maybe a couple depending well, on you know even if you're in a whatever. relationship you yeah, yeah. Your partners would be cool <laughs> exactly <Right>. exactly <laughs> and so the idea is like accepting, you know, one of your chapters is accepting that the right person likes you. Yeah. Um, and accepting that. I think you mean it is like loving yourself. Yes. I think that's like, um, the book was originally going to be called uh, Date Like He's Obsessed With You. That was my original Ooh. title because it was like, my idea was this confidence that women, I write, a, I speak kind of heteronormatively sometimes and I just mean I'm a straight woman. So I'm kind of speaking from my own experience. And I do think this is something straight women in particular struggle with a lot just because of patriarchy. Uh, But But, um, that thing, that little thing. Um, I was just thinking like the confidence we have with that, like guy who's, you know, is into you, who you're not interested in. Right. Like how little, do you think about like what you're going to say to them or what you're going to wear in front of them and how cool, like they get to see that person gets to see the coolest, best version of you. While the person you're actually interested in is seeing this like, like frantic, frazzled, like shell of who you once were. <laughs> so I was thinking like, why can't we channel that confidence into like other realms of our dating lives and better stressed by that. So in that chapter, I really hone in on that idea of like, the worrying and like almost like the negativity bias of like, Oh, like there's no way he likes me. Like, Oh, I'm going to like, Oh, he like took two hours to respond to this text instead of the like hour 15 that he normally does. Like, Oh, that he doesn't like me. It's over. It's over. It's all going to end. Like I'm going to get ghosted. Like I got ghosted by the last person or whatever. Like just taking yourself out of that, like really like stressful, frantic headspace and instead just accepting if, this person is the right person for me. They do like me. Like, that's it. There's no point of thinking anything through beyond that because that's all that matters is like, you will text you if he's the right person. And if he doesn't, he just weeded himself out. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's probably the thing that I struggle with, like even now of, you know, being in probably my longest relationship of my adult life in a long time. Um, it's like we're, you know, we're about to hit our one year anniversary mm-hmm. and Aisha's like, fuck, she found somebody. <laughs> um, and, and I keep joking. I'm like, oh, haha, if we get there. Mm-hmm. And, and my friends are like, you fucking idiot. Like, you're going to get there. And I'm like, no, I, I know. I'm just like, I just stay so almost like I always say cautiously optimistic, like, uh, I'm always like anything could change, but right now it's good. Yeah. And so I kind of have to keep like staying present being like, "Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. it's a great right now. Yeah. I think I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something I struggled with too. Like in the beginning, probably the whole first year of my relationship, because as I said, I'd only been in like situationship, like casual type things where like there's pretty much two ways for that to end like it either fizzles out and like very badly (laughs) and so I was used to that like you can't help it when you're and I think so many people are in that situation where yep I mean I have so many girlfriends who are like in their late 20s and still have never really been in a real relationship and like there's nothing wrong with that that's becoming more and more normal but I think having your brain almost trained 
that like the romantic part of your brain is first of all used to these like high highs, low lows that come with being in those like extremely dramatic relationships. And two, they're used to things ending. Everything inevitably ends, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're almost just like for your own anxiety is there to protect you. That's why we have anxiety just like as a human species. And you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to like have your guard up. You're trying to be on high alert for any sign that this is about to end so that you can be ready for that ending. But in the process, you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot and like Mm -hmm. getting in the way of it possibly progressing forward. So it's almost like you have to just kind of trust. It's the hardest thing to do. Um, and like I say, like try to be hyper aware of the positive things. Like if you have to write positive signs down, do it, like do what you need to do to like, just kind of like rewire your brain and not be so set on the negative and the looking out for things that are wrong and more happy. Even if it doesn't work out, you would rather look back on the relationship and think, oh, I really enjoyed the time we had together. And he got to see like a really like relaxed, calm, happy version of me other than like, I mean, I've had this experience a million times where like, I look back and I'm like, who was it that he even dated? Like, it was a hundred percent. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, I mean, everything you're saying is so relatable, I think to what people are, are going through right now and something that's helped me has just been like the daily reminder. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people forget that it's like, we think it's just going to be this mind shift and it's going to be a snap of a finger and we're going to change, but it's really just constantly, like I said, for me, my current anxiety is like every day going, okay, right now it's good. Yeah. Yeah. The only moment that matters. That's the way to deal with it though. That really is the best way to just every day be like, take it one day at a time. Like, oh, yeah, today is good. Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> Such a fan. <laughs> Soups. Um, you talk a lot about the importance of being yourself and that authenticity. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to get your opinion because the feedback I get from a lot of my friends are it's so hard to be authentic on dating apps. Yeah. Like mm. where... You know, I had two guy friends recently send me their profiles and they were like, oh, how, what What do you think? And I was just like, oh, my God, change your pictures. Like, get some high quality pictures. What is this? <laughs> and then one of my friends, um, he put three pictures of his five with women. And I didn't know who they were. And I was like, oh, who are they? And he goes, oh, my mom and my sisters. I'm like, okay, well, do you need three? And he's like, but that's what's so important to me. I'm like, okay, but do you need three? Right. <laughs> and and then then it their feedback was like, but I just want to be myself. That's hard with the, the mom and sister picture in particular, just because I think like you're confusing people. <laughs> they don't know if I don't know what his mom and sister look like, but like unless right. like, twins, I'm thinking like, yeah. why does he have his ex girlfriend on here? Thank you. Where's exactly what I said. <laughs> um. But no, I do think with dating apps, it's really hard. I think with apps like like Hinge and I think even Bumble has more um, like options for this. Now, I obviously haven't been on the apps in a while, but this is what I hear. Um, like with the prompts and things like that, you yeah. have a little more room to throw your personality in there, which I think is a great thing. But I also think like, a struggle for me on the apps was when you kind of get stuck in like banterville, like when you're just like going and like making these like witty, sarcastic, like back and forth, back and forth. And like no date is materializing. I think like trying to get off the apps as soon as you're on them is the best way to do it. Of like, cause that, that no one is seeing the real you over text. They're just not like, it's either like the best version of you. If you're a great texter and you're like, really like sending out these fire texts, which is still not you. <laughs> or, yeah. Or it's the worst version of you if you're a shitty texter. So I just think it's like, try to like, like get to the, like do the like small talk a little back and forth, but like get there, like get to the date as soon as possible, because that's when you really get a real feel. For mm-hmm. And what about the virtual date? Because that makes it. Yeah. Now you have to do the virtual, but I still think you yeah. can. Like I think over FaceTime or something like you could, your personality comes off. It's no different. I mean, it is different, obviously, but it's, 
really like being able to talk in real time with someone and not have that time to like craft a response hey. or have craft right. a response is huge, right. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Aish, what do you, do you find the, the being yourself part easy, hard? Is that the. Just in general or on that? Yeah. Like for the dating mm-hmm. apps and like in when you're going out there meeting people, I mean, you're a very authentic person in general, but. Right. Yeah. I think I'm one of those people who was like fire on text. <laughs> I'm a very good texter. And then in person, especially the first couple of times, I'm a lot more shy and like, yeah. you know, not as quick with the wit. Um, <laughs> you mean when you first meet somebody? Like when yeah, you're yeah. first in talking the to them or when you meet them in person? Uh, I guess first meet somebody versus okay, like yeah, oh, yeah. meeting somebody over text. Right. I would yeah. say. But I, I do still think I'm like being myself, just maybe like, you know, not like the most open version of myself, but it's like a version of myself that's working out. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you have any tips, Candace, for like how people can just try to be a little bit more at ease when, again, you're shifting from, uh, from maybe somebody's a great texter and like you said, mm-hmm. a little shyer in real life or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I think first- Terrible on text. First of all, for first dates, do you mean, or just in general? Yeah, just like maybe as as people are starting to meet yeah. people because I think first dates, you're gonna be nervous. So it's like what Aisha just said is great of like, yeah, she's like a little more toned down and shy, but that still is herself. If you're a shy person and like you're going into a first date trying to force yourself to be like really like outgoing or whatever, like that's just not you and that's fine. Like you can go embrace the nerves. Like don't try to shy away from them or be like that doesn't exist I'm gonna like I have friends who like okay. drink before a first date so like, you know like don't do that first of all yeah. <laughs> idea but uh, <laughs> but do no that. just I think trying your best to just kind of like rock your nerves like be like this yeah. is this is it I'm all nervous it's a first date that's fine and normal and just be honest that's really the best advice don't lie if you're not lying, you're being yeah. you and you're being who you would be on that first date. And the person who's going to date you should love the like outgoing, outrageous person you are or the shy kind of timid person you are. That's fine. Like that's just a shade of you. Nobody's just one way. If you're kind of a certain mm-hmm. way when you're first meeting people, that's part of you too. Yeah. Love that. I'm going to mm-hmm. circle back one last time to this dating apps thing. Cause again, how how the fuck can because I I I want to know if I'm wrong in telling people like yes you should be authentic but at the same time like maybe the best version of your authentic on a dating app in the begin like on a profile let's like, let's say just the profile yeah I mean I think don't like just I have a heart like I'll give you an example. Yeah. Can I give you one? Yes. One of my friends, this this guy friend, you know, again with Hinge and and Bumble, they give you prompts. Mm-hmm. So he got a prompt of like, date me if, and and he loves Dateline and like murder oh, mystery God. kind of things. And he made a murder joke. And then I said, look, don't make a murder joke because you come off like nobody knows who you are. And he's like, no, but I'm just trying to be funny, and that's who I get it. But. <laughs> Not that version. Okay. My thought there is if it is so important to you, if this murder joke is like, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't understand this murder joke, then do it. So put the murder right. joke out there. It's going to take you longer to find someone, but put it out there see what happens. I'm all for it. But if it's not like this thing that means so much to you, yeah, you should be putting your best self out there. Like, it's like I said, like, be honest, be true don't lie on the apps or anything but yeah do the best version of yourself do the picture that you think is the best picture of you you know like you do something that yeah it could get your personality across but you also happen to look hot and you think you look hot in it you know like that right. confidence when you're on the app too when you see that and you're like oh, damn like look at me that's good <laughs> that's nice that's nice for cool. you and that's nice for the people who see you uh and now you say, you know, the the fi- you're finally ready. You're ready to send that fucking text. Yeah. Um. So you know, you call it the big send. Yeah. <laughs> and and I love that you also touched a little bit on the role of your friends in that. 
Mm. And the difference between what a Eunice would do and what somebody who's maybe more self-actualized would do. Yeah. So I should be clear, just in the text, the text is sort of a metaphor for like the most you thing you can possibly think of doing. Like whether it be you want to have the define the relationship talk or you want to ask them to go to dinner or break up with them, like whatever it is, that's what text is for you in that moment. Um, the big send I refer to as the, like the define the relationship talk. Cause I find that like that really like freaks myself included people out the most. Yep. yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought there were like two things that really get people in their own way. When, you know, when it's time to have that talk, like, you, you know, like you feel it in your gut. Like that's when you're starting to hit, hit peak Eunice levels. You're like trying to like Jedi mind, read their mind to see like what, what's going on. Like, what do they think? Like you're like giving your mom signs that they like. <laughs> there's, there's a point where you're like, you should just talk to them and see what's going right. on. Yeah. Um, and I think the two things that kind of get in our way and make us really anxious when that's happening is a when we involve our friends too much. Like, we're like mm-hmm. what do you think we are. What, what? How should I say it? Like, what should I bring it up? Do you think it's the right time for me to say something? Do you? Know? Then you're getting like multiple voices in your head of like, oh, that was so weird that he did that. Oh, you shouldn't bring it up yet. That's so weird. Oh, you totally. You have to say something. Oh, if he doesn't say this, then you. And that just like trips you up so much more and is so much more stressful and puts in this new dynamic of like, oh, this friend will be disappointed in me if I don't Uh that, you know, like do it for you. Like keep, if you're really confused on like one thing or what to say, like you think of two options and bring it to one trusted friend and be like, which of these two do you think, or can I run this like by you that I want to set? You can do that. But like, don't, make it like a, I call it like your board of advisors. Like this is not like a big meeting (laughs) of a tech company or something like you can just, you go be you and do it and like do it in your own way. I, before I had, I was like our exclusive talk and I really define the relationship talk with my now fiance. I threw up. I was so nervous. I threw up. Oh wow! <laughs> can't do <that>. I, <laughs> like you might throw up and have to postpone it for another time. <laughs> um, and that's fine, whatever. But like, don't just try to like believe in yourself enough that like you got this. At the end of the day, the person likes you. The person isn't into your best. Hopefully, isn't into your best mm-hmm. friend. Isn't into your sister. Isn't into your mom. Isn't into your dad. They're into you. So they want you to bring it up the way you would you nobody knows a relationship better than you do and they do so stop trying to involve other people and like stressing yourself out so that's the first thing and then the other thing i was i think really gets people in their own heads is the pedestal i feel like when you have Mm. yeah (laughs) pedestal and like you think they're so great and like their validation will be like the end all be all for you you'd be so lucky to be in a relationship with them which is a natural part of having feelings, you know, like you obviously are going to elevate that person in your head a little bit, but I think trying to bring them back down for yourself as much as you can. And remember that like, they're just a person and like, you're pretty cool too. And like, they're so lucky to be with you too. is huge. Like going into that conversation or any conversation really. Yeah. And, and it, it takes so much, I mean, for the best of us, right? Like you're somebody with a lot of experience and, you know, Aisha and I've done this podcast for so long, but you still get nervous and no matter what, like, but sometimes it's like ripping a bandaid. You just got to fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with, uh, my boyfriend now, when we had the, like, it was in between because we we already had said it was exclusive because the pandemic happened and it was our third date and we were kind of like, oh, all right, well, for safety yeah. <laughs> in the beginning when we thought that this was going to, you know, kill all of us. Like we were like, hey, you know, are we good? And then so that way we kind of knew it was exclusive, but we hadn't partway through. I was still like, so what what exactly is this? Like, does he want this to go somewhere or not? And me being somebody who is so comfortable talking and I, you know, talk about communication and whatever, got so nervous Mm -hmm. that I went to the bathroom, came out right before I was leaving his house on like a Sunday and just sat there for like two seconds. I was like, hey, yeah, so like what's going on? And just like (laughs) just threw him for a loop 
And poor guy just sat there and he was like, uh, I mean, everything's great. And I'm like, hmm, okay, great. And that's it. And then he was like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying us like uh, hanging out and whatever. And I was like, hmm, hanging out. Okay, thanks. Uh, bye. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I couldn't even have any more of a conversation. I literally took my bag. I was having like anxiety and I was like, boom, left. Two minute conversation. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, fuck, fuck. And you know, you do the friend thing. Of course, yeah. And I still, uh, one thing I've learned over time is uh, f- people sort of function with this girl code, guy code thing mm-hmm. where you're like just supporting your friend to support them. Yeah. And I find the really good friends are the ones who will tell you like, hey, maybe you're just freaking out yeah. or maybe like actually give you real advice. Like maybe you're wrong or maybe you're, you don't need to have this discussion unnecessarily to create a fight. Cause that's your insecurity. Like, yeah. And so, you know, luckily I had that and they, they told me like, talk it, like talk about it. And I said, okay, well, I'm not great at talking. I'm better at texting in that moment. So mm-hmm. I texted and yeah. took, you know, what you, what your advice would be, which is value yourself. And even if you love this person, And I just said, like, hey, you know, I was disappointed to hear you say that you thought we were just hanging out. Um, I'm unfortunately uh, not, like, looking for that. And he called me right away. And, and, you know, he's from Spain. And so, like, he was like, hey, look, I just said hanging out because you've said hanging out before. And, like, I was just trying to use the same terminology as you. And it was like a miscommunication. And he's like, I don't want to be with anybody else. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> and that was that was fine. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I really think it's just like getting out there and doing that like it is the scarier option. It is I say that at the end of the book like just sending a text is the scarier thing to do. Like it just is. There's no two ways about it. But it's also the less anxiety inducing thing. Like yes, you feel that peak horror in that moment. But then, like you said, it's just like, oh, okay. Like, it's done. You get your answer. There's no more, like, wondering and, like, freaking out and, like, building scenarios in your head and, like, going down these, like, hypothetical rabbit holes and stuff. Like, it's done. You're, like, you're busy. Like, like, live your life. You're busy and you have better shit to do than sit around, like, thinking about this. And as you get better at it or as you get more kind of comfortable with yourself, even if that conversation doesn't go well, you'll be like, it'll sting for a bit, but then you'll be like, okay, I know. Mm-hmm. And right. I can walk away and make a decision that's right for me. Exactly. It's like kind of what you were saying earlier, Aisha, of like things happen where it was concrete that let you like move on better. Like I think mm-hmm. it is kind of nice when like talk about closure. Like if someone tells you like, oh, they're not interested then, eh, well, you know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as we wrap up, I have two, two last questions for you. So, you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've been studying relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, from all of your years of doing this, like wh- what have you learned about kind of dating and relationships? Not as obviously all of the many things, but is there something that's like, or things that stand out to you? Yeah. Um, I do think, I mean, like I, really probably harped on it a lot. (laughs) I do think authenticity is so rare and hot, honestly. Like think of how great it is when you like meet someone who's authentic and real. And like that study I was talking about earlier that showed authentic, I don't remember if I talked about it earlier, maybe I did, (laughs) but authentic people um, are like, they have a better success rate at finding love. Mm-hmm. Um, a more like long lasting love and game playing people attract game playing people. So you can still attract a lot of people by playing games, but you're going to attract people who are doing the same thing as you and who honestly, it's not going to be a healthy relationship. It's going to be a very toxic relationship, even if it does last a long time. Whereas if you're being authentic, you're putting yourself out there in like a true and honest way. A, it's so rare. And that's the other thing the study found that people, everyone across the board, game playing people and authentic people are attracted to that. People think it's awesome and like people are into it and it's refreshing to be with somebody like that. Um, So that's something that I've learned. And then the other thing that I said earlier too is just people feel so alone in what they're going through and people feel like they're the only ones who, and that's why like podcasts like this are so great and so important for people to listen to 
um, like you're not alone. Like so many people are going through the same thing as you. And like, I just like my DMs on Instagram are proof of that. Like I get so many messages from girls who are just going through the same things and like the same insecurities, the same issues, the same dating problems. And like, it's okay. You're not alone. Everyone's going through it. You're not the only person who's never been in a relationship. You're not the only person, you know, like it's normal. Like you're normal. You're fine. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, we're snapping our fingers if we could, (laughs) but it would sound weird on a podcast. Um, Last question. You know what I loved at the end is you talked a little bit about faith. And Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel like that plays a role Mm -hmm. in, in a person's sort of journey? Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean like necessarily like I believe in God, but it doesn't have to be like a spiritual faith. That's not what I was saying in the book, but yeah. Keeping faith that just like, it's that, and not faith that like, oh, I'm going to find love eventually, but keeping the faith that like you're worthy. That's what I really hope that people can like maintain and just remind themselves of regularly. However, you need to do that, whether it be through therapy, whether it be through journaling, whether it just be through like surrounding yourself with a great community of like friends and family, but just constantly reminding yourself of like what you're worth and like that you are like, no matter who rejects you or no matter what doesn't work out or how long it's taking to like find love or whatever, just reminding yourself that like you're great, you being yourself is enough for the right person. Like just constantly like a mantra reminding yourself of that, I think is so important just for your own like mental health more than anything else. That is a perfect way mm-hmm. to uh, to end this episode. Candice, thank you so, so much for joining us. Of course, this was so fun. Uh, yeah, right. we loved having you. We love all your work and and um, big fans. Thank you. Elite Daily has in the past also featured us. So we're, we're very grateful for that. Um, you're not completely done. Uh, you have something called uh, Six Questions. We ask every single guest the exact same six questions. Um, so are you ready for yours? I'm ready. Let's do it. Right. It's just like rapid fire. So don't even think about it. You know what I mean? It's like Oprah's, um, super soul Sunday thing that she does, except it's about dating. Okay. All right. So, uh, Candace, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Uh, confidence. What is your one deal breaker? Lying. Mm. I hate lying. What turns you on? Uh, sense of humor. Good one. Yeah. Uh, tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Strengths? This is funny because I'm not like this in any other realm of my life. But in my relationship, I'm very direct. I guess it's very just on the text of me. I'm very direct. Don't beat around the bush. Um, I've come a long way since I threw up before our... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, this helps me a lot. Um, but yeah, I... I think just I'm I'm really direct. I don't I'll say if something's bothering me. I don't do the passive aggressive thing. Um, and then did you say my biggest weakness? Yeah. Okay. My biggest weakness is I think because as I said, I have divorced parents who are very happily divorced. I'm I was single up until this relationship consistently. I'm very independent, and sometimes I forget to think of us as a we, a little mm. me thinker. Um, so it's something that I, I have to work on pretty regularly. That's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, what is love? What is love? Oh, a deep one. Um, not to sound like a contestant on the bachelor, but I really do think love is showing up, like showing up for each other, um, really being there and like choosing the other person, even when it's hard and really just like accepting them for who they really are and letting them see who you really are and then choosing to like be there for each other. Mm-hmm. And this is our favorite question. Uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Loved your book. Yes! <laughs> Get it, Candace. Yes. So smart. Um <laughs> 
Candice, uh, thank you so, so much for being on Kind of Dating. Oh, so fun. Thank you. How can everybody follow you and get your book and all that fun stuff? You guys can follow me at Candice Jalili. It's just my first and last name on Instagram, Twitter. I'm really only active on Instagram. Just follow me there. Um, and my book is available for pre-order literally everywhere. Please pre-order it. Pre-orders are everything. So it would be really helpful. And it'll be at your door February 2nd. How fun is that? Yes. Yes. And guys, we're doing, uh, we're doing giveaways of your book um, (laughs) on our Instagram. So guys, but make sure you pre-order, just send the text and experts guide to letting go of the stress and anxiety of modern dating. It's available in all bookstores, February 2nd, 2021. Um, Candice, you're fucking awesome. Please come back anytime to the podcast. Yay. And share your expertise. Um, and friends, make sure you follow us. We're on social media at kind of dating. Uh, we'll be doing the giveaway, uh, this week when this episode drops, um, at the kind of dating Instagram. So follow us there. Aisha, where are you at? I am at Aisha says dance everywhere. I am, uh, at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Friends. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a second and rate and review us, we would be so grateful. And tell a friend. Also send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.